is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, September 5th, 2019. I am indeed Eric. Joining us today instead of Tristan is colleague AJ Mass. Yes, we'll focus on some points leaks today. AJ, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'd be doing better if I didn't have to watch the Mets bullpen every day. But, uh, you know, you live and you learn, or you don't. I might ask you about that later. I might. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I didn't even care about Phillies games this week. I was just so happy to see the game. I know you don't want to hear this, but anyway. All right. I'll ask you about Edwin Diaz later on. Today's producers, Troy Farkas and Tom Carpenter, editorially watchdogs us. On today's show, we'll talk to AJ about points leagues, what they look like for the final three weeks, and also for next year. I'm curious about his top 10 because it probably looks a lot different than mine for Roto. Plus, we'll give you the weekend pictures you want to add this weekend, latest combo meals, closer carouseling, mirrored hash browns, the normal stuff. Here's the buzz. All right, what's been happening over the past week? Uh, Tristan and I spoke about the prospects, Gavin Lux and Kyle Tucker, earlier this week. Uh, let me get your take here. Uh, is a points league different than a roto when it comes to adding prospects? Is it all about volume? In that case, you probably don't want Tucker so much. But what are your thoughts on some of the prospects? Yeah, I think it's definitely we're at the stage of the season now that, uh, well, first of all, if you're playing in a points league, you're probably playing in a head-to-head format, which means we're talking one and done. Uh, we're not looking for the next three weeks or four weeks. We're looking for just this week and this week alone, in which case it is about volume. If you're in the playoffs, you probably have gotten there without these guys. Um, you might not have room to squeeze them into your uh, lineup, and if you are squeezing them in, you are looking at someone who is going to be playing. They're not getting it back on an everyday basis. You, you don't want anything to do with them, and you can't really plan for next week because there might not be one. Yeah, I think a lot of people look ahead and they're like, well, what's this guy going to do for three weeks? But, like, I'm on a head-to-head playoff week, and I'm playing guys I never thought I'd ever play, like Hans or Alberto, or I can't even say his name properly, you know, like, or somebody who has a good, um, let me give you, the like, a name of a guy, like a pitcher who has a good outing, a good uh good opponent this week but may not next week you know what i mean like it's something like i'm just looking at this week whether it's a points or a roto format head to head in a season long it's a little bit different and like i have an nl only where i can only do so much like uh, their salaries you can't bench players so like every league's a little bit different can you give me the name or two of somebody in a points league that you're looking at for this or next week next week would be better obviously it's already thursday People might not be thinking about these players, but like maybe they have a seven game week. Maybe they have a good uh, pitching outing, you know, like on the schedule, something like that. Anything, anybody jump to mind? Yeah, not really. And it just here's here's the reason because I just think we we tend to thin slice it. You know, we're we're starting football season now, and I know this is a baseball podcast, but there's something about the strategy for starting your week one lineup in football that really applies here. Um, you know, if you drafted a guy in the first round in your in your football league, you're starting in week one. I don't care what the matchup is. Like, that's why you drafted him, because he's going to do well when you go down to those thin, thin slices. You don't worry about those matchups. In terms of baseball, when you're in the fantasy playoffs in a points league, you're starting the guys who, over the sample size through September 1st, have gotten you there. You know, Anthony Rendon is someone you're starting. I don't care who he's playing this week. Although, there was a 10-game stretch in June when he hit 220. Uh, he could do that this week. You're going to get these these dry slots, but you have to start with the guys who who brought you there. If you're going to try and roll the dice and say, "Well, I'm going to you know play the hot hand with a guy who's been up for three days," I, I, I just don't see why you would want to do that. You have to play the percentages and you know sample size be darned. 
Check out AJ's article on uh, don't get stuck with a bagel in your week one lineup. That's on the fantasy football page. And, of course, his top 300 uh, points rankings, which we'll get to in a minute, are on the baseball page as well. Uh, let me get to some of the hot players over the past week and get your opinion on them. Jock Peterson of the Dodgers is the hottest hitter right now. Had a big game on Monday with two homers and a double that just missed another homer. It's like a couple inches away. Then he runs into the wall and was down and crying. I'm like, uh, he may not play for a while. He missed one game. And he homers again twice yesterday. He has six consecutive plate appearance at bats. I may not be plate appearance. He might have a walk in there with an extra base hit. How do you view Jock Peterson? He's a guy who used to take walks, used to steal bases. Now it's just all power and nothing else. That's still a lot, pretty valuable in a points league. Uh, it can be valuable. He strikes out a little bit too much for my taste. And, uh, you know, if you're getting dinged a full point for the strikeout, that's where it causes the problem. I don't worry about batting average in a points league. That, that is the one benefit there. Batting average isn't going to bother you. So those strikeouts are just, just out. You know, he could hit deep fly balls and they're still out. I don't care about that. What I do care is those negatives for the, the strikeouts. And he's just not walking nearly as much either uh, as I'd like to offset those strikeouts. You know, if, if, you're, if you're able to offset those strikeouts, then, you know, you're, you rise up the rankings there. That's, that's something that you look for is that K to BB rate, which, you know, someone like, uh, like you know, Jorge Polanco, who strikes out a lot but also walks a lot to counteract, that, those are the type of guys I'd rather have in my lineups. I, total bases are fine. Uh, just too many Ks, and, and it's almost like you're not hitting home runs, you're hitting doubles. I'm curious your take on this season as a whole. Obviously, there's still three weeks left, but 20-something weeks are done here. And Tristan and I have been talking about it all year for Roto Leagues. But in a points league, the abundance of power, okay, half the teams in the league are going to set, you know, records for home runs in a season. The Twins have already broken the Major League record. Dodgers have broken the National League record. A guy like Jorge Solar has 40 home runs. And all season long in road, I've been thinking, why aren't people adding him? This is a legit 40 home runs. He's going to end up at maybe 50. How do you view that in a points league? If, with home runs becoming so abundant, does it make you look for different things? It does. And that's why I focus more on things like the K to BB rate. Um, you look at weighted on base average. Uh, those are Those are things... Um, you look at uh, BPV, which is a, a complex sabermetric category that uh, you know came about over the years. Th- those are the ones where you're looking at underlying skill sets in terms of you know hard hit rate and 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 contact rate. Those things are to me more important for points leagues, uh, especially when you're not getting these outliers in home runs. Forty is kind of like the new the new twenty. Uh, I when I do my rankings, I do the angle of valuing the number of stats that exist in the player universe. So if there are, you know, 10,000 home runs in the league in a season, I'm going to give each home run the weight of one out of 10,000, whereas in past seasons I might have given one out of 8,000. You know, it, it, uh, it, the values have to change. You can't use the same uh, analytical eye and the same rankings tool that you've used. This, this is not 1980s baseball. The, the, the game has changed. The numbers change. All that matters is that you're getting more home runs and more or more points than your opponents, and you have to weight each category appropriately. Oh, I just wish we knew that in March. <laughs> that, that would have been nice. <laughs> that would have drafted but, but a little bit different. But you know what? When you project the home runs, though, when you project the home runs, at the, you know your first initial rankings. If you're projecting an up t- uptick in home runs, then you you know you weighted appropriately. I, I think obviously we couldn't have predicted this, but I, I do think that. 
we did know who the more likely guys were to hit a lot of home runs versus not a lot. In theory, yes, AJ. But I'll say this: yeah, like, probably. there's always going to be outliers. Like, you know? Jorge Soler has 40 home runs. I, I don't think he would have done that last season. Cattell Marte just breezed past 30. Tristan continues to not want to recommend him. And I keep saying, well, he's doing this. I don't care what he did when he was playing in Seattle. He did this now. Now, would he have done this with the different baseball last year? No. A lot of these guys sure. would. Pete Alonso might have done it. <laughs> but Exactly. And Pete Alonso, you wouldn't have predicted for 45. I under, I understand this. You know, Solaire, just because he's he's in a Kansas City uniform, you dock 10 home runs off his total just based on the, the, the team's history and the, the history. But, you know, you have to adjust on the fly as well in season and use that to your advantage to maybe re-rank after, after May and say, okay, now these power numbers are a lot different. Where do I trade? When you get to this point of the season, you're not trading. You're not, there's no one on the wire, you know, outside of maybe an injury replacement. You want to maybe then pick up a rookie. You're going with the guys who brought you here. And if your opinion is going to change over one week at this point, you're not playing the game. Oh, yeah, I I agree with that. So my favorite numbers here, Soler has 40 home runs. He broke the world's franchise record. Not that they've been around forever, but still. And then the Giants, Kevin Pillar, who wasn't even on their team opening day. He was traded like two weeks into this year, one week into the season from Toronto. He has 22 home runs now. You know the last time the Giant... Giants had a player with more than 22 home runs was 2013. 2013 was the last time they had anybody with more home runs than that. 20, 27 by Hunter Pence. I think that's a fa- fascinating stat that Pilar. Oh, I will say. That, I will say you might be you might be shorting them a little bit because they have done a, a slew of roster dumps at the trade deadlines. There might have been guys who would have gotten there. Fair. If they stayed with the team. So just a little grain of salt. But your point is still taken. So looking at your top 300 uh, rest of season rankings, which I'm sure will be different next next spring, but a couple things jump out to me. You have the normal power hitters that are going to be in the top in Roto Leagues as well, but Ronald Acuna Jr. is number eight for you, and I suspect it's because the stolen bases don't matter as much to you. Mookie Betts is number nine. Can you talk about how you value these players in points? Acuna might really be the number one player in Roto Leagues for next season. I'm thinking about putting him over Trout, too. A lot of other people are. You have him eight number number eight right now. Yeah, and like you said, it's because that uh, statistically we don't have a separate category for stolen bases. Obviously, you know, th- this was always the thing uh, with, with the uh, Michael Bournes of the world. <laughs> you know, the guy's going to steal that many bases. Uh, you have to elevate them up the rankings, but you know if Billy Hamilton had ever just had an on-base percentage of maybe you know 300, even uh, he struggled to get there. If he had a 330 on-base percentage, he'd be like a top 10 player in all formats, just because of the weight of the stolen base category. Um, you know, it's not that important to me. So he kind of gets fallen into the same category where stolen bases are really just turning a few singles into doubles, uh, and in that sense. I, I don't necessarily feel that you you can really take these speedsters who are so much more valuable in, in the rotisserie format. Uh, you, you have to lower them a little bit, and it's only a little bit. Uh, and you know, this he's probably going to end up. He's definitely going to end up in my top ten. I, I can't see a situation where he doesn't end up in my top ten next season. Uh, it's just a question: is he top five or is he six to ten? And right now, he's leaning more six to ten. Uh, you know, unless. You know, the numbers just fall out where it, it's undeniable. We would think he's going to get, you know, 70 stolen bases or something like that, where, you know, that's going to certainly increase your total bases, which increases all these uh, metrics that I've been talking about. How do you separate Yelich Trout Bellinger? 
Uh, if we have we have Acuna with Yelich, Trout, Bellinger, probably in our top four in Roto, you have a significant difference in Acuna and these other guys. How do you have Yelich one, Trout two, Bellinger? How do you get there right now? Uh, you know, you get there with just a slight uh, advantage in batting average, um, a slight advantage in in the weighted on base average. It, it, it is splitting hairs here. I think it just comes down to the fact that he's just got a few more hits projected, a few more doubles projected, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, the run scored are pretty much the same, the RBIs, the wash. Uh, surprisingly, Yelich is probably not going to walk as much as the other two, but, uh, it, it, yeah, we're splitting hairs here. They're, they're all good. You have them, you're doing well. All right, uh, Kirby Yates, number 10 overall, and it's not just so strange to see a relief pitcher so rank so high in your rankings here, but the next relief pitcher is number 35, so I'd like you to discuss that. And also, in points leagues, I, I try to get an ace. You don't have a starting pitcher in your top 20. Scherzer and Verlander show up 23-24, um, so I wonder if you could address each of those. Why the difference in Yates and every other reliever? Would you rank Yates 10th overall going into next season? Where do you have a reliever and the starting pitchers? I expected a cu- couple in the top 10. Yeah, well... Normally, uh, throughout the course of the season, there's definitely been some starting pitches by top ten. And on, on opening day, there's probably going to be two or three in, in the top twenty. Uh, it's just when you get to this point of the season, what you have is like some pitchers. You know, Scherzer, it's, it's the injury concern, and, and and just simply that's the factor that lowers him a little bit more than he probably would have otherwise. You got teams that are going to start setting up their rotations. Uh, you know, uh, who knows what the Dodgers are going to do since, you know, they've practically clinched in May, quite frankly. Uh, you know, when your teams start setting up their rotations, you're going to start moving pitchers around. They might lose starts. We're running out of time here. So it, it's simply that's the reason why starting pitchers in general uh, who are not working as a whole more than five, six innings, they just got to be lowered on the thing. Some some of these uh, uh, standout rookies, you know, are going to get shut down for the year, perhaps. So all starting pitching in general uh, gets lowered at this point of the year, and that's why you see that. In terms of the relief pitchers, Yates is pretty much the most reliable for me in terms of uh, K K to nine, which is a huge uh, factor, and K to BB rate, which is another huge factor. Um, you know, it's him and Kenley one too, but again, the Dodgers. I, I don't know how much Kenley's going to get used over, over the next few weeks as they prepare for the postseason. So that's why Yates just stands out to, in front of everybody else. And yet, the other guys who have really big K, K to nine numbers are, are Hader, who can be wild like crazy, and, and Edwin Diaz, who, you know, if this is the time we'll talk about him, then this is the time we'll talk about him, but uh, you can't trust him for nothing. Well, on that note, let's set up the Closer Carousel. The Closer Carousel. I suspect Diaz shouldn't be owned anymore, rostered anymore in any league at this point, and Seth Lugo should. Uh, but what do you do next year? Is Diaz, if the Mets say Edwin Diaz is their closer next March, do you rank him in your top 10 closers? Uh, yeah, probably. I, 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 my problem with Diaz is not entirely on Diaz. It's I mean, it's Callaway's usage of Diaz. He set him up for failure. He set most of his pitching staff up for failure. I don't know. Uh, you know, he came in and he was highly touted as this guy who's really going to know how to handle the, the, the staff. And at every turn, he, he proves that he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I have seen him, you know, he's taken situations where he's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to put him in for that, for that four-out save. And then, you know, he'll 
he'll, but he'll pitch him on the third straight day, Diaz, and then he'll walk the first two hitters, which means he's clearly overworked and take him out now, and he'll leave him in to give up the five runs. I, I, I just, ugh. with Kathleen charge, I don't know uh, if any Mets reliever can really overcome the type of usage that, that he clearly does not know what he's doing. Maybe, maybe, maybe he can take a, a, a correspondence course in the offseason to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just so frustrating. I mean, and, and forget about Familia. Familia, I, I don't know why we brought him back and, and just Familia is going to Familia. AJ's a Mets fan, everybody. He was Mr. Met for a while, so he cares. I care about the Phillies, too. I just think this Phillies-Mets series coming up, neither of these are playoff teams. Not, I mean, hey, right? Put, put, in all, put in all your hitters, because each game's going to be uh, one of these be fun. Uh, old uh, Phillies-Cubs games. So they're 23-22. <laughs> no Nola, no DeGrom. Um, it should be a blast this weekend. I, I, I don't know if you're the same. It doesn't have nothing to do with fantasy, but like... I'm just watching these games for entertainment at this point. And the Phillies are only three games out of the last wild card, but there's no way they're going to catch the Cubs, not with this pitching staff. And Nola was terrible yesterday. I'm just, I want entertainment at this point. I want to laugh. A friend of, a friend of mine I saw tweeted out after that Mets loss to the Nationals the other day and said, I, I'm just laughing now. Like he's just laughing. I do the same thing when when a relief pitcher homers against my team. Again, half the bullpen was picked up off waivers in August. Like there's just no way these teams are playoff teams. That it's a pretty watered down wild card race after the Nationals and the National League. So, um, let me get your your uh, your case on this. So a lot of decent relief pitchers in roto leagues are not rostered in ESPN roto leagues. Okay. Archie Bradley, Mark Melanson. We're not talking about like Detroit or Baltimore or Colorado situations. Like these are legit closers that are do- doing well. Ian Kennedy, who's been doing well for two months now. These guys aren't even rostered in most leagues. Lugo's not rostered. Naris isn't rostered. Is it the same in points leagues? Yeah, it's the same. And I think part of it is simply because it's, you know, it's football season and a lot of, uh, a lot of managers check out uh, at this time, but, Quite frankly, at least in points head-to-head leagues, you have a reason to check out because your season is over at this point if you didn't make the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, there's no real need for you to – we're, we're taking, what, uh, 12, a 12-team league if only six teams make the playoffs. Now, it's already half the teams that are no longer looking to add pitchers and improve their lot. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, in Bradley's case, it's, you know, it's that uh, you've been burned by him before. Uh, it took so long for him to get these shots at it. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I haven't redone my rankings in the in the past week because I know that you know, there's no point at this point because the people who are, are paying attention are paying attention and probably have teams that they like. Uh, and you know, next week will be will be fifty uh, percent fewer. But uh, you know, I moved him into my top twenty uh, relief pitchers, Archie Bradley, uh, the last time I set the rankings because I, you know it looked like he was he was building momentum here, and just the fact that he moved so much should have been a sign that uh, he was the guy who's who's one to look out for. So go at uh, go at Bradley, Carlos Martinez of the Cardinals. Go at Emilio Pagan. These are closers that can help you in the final three weeks. Now let's take a look at the brief combo meals. Hey, it's a combo meal. All right, I'm going to ask you a question here. There are only two since our last show, Brandon Nimmo, Jorge Soler. If both of them are promised jobs with their current teams next year as full-time players, who would you rather have in a points league? Oh, I'd rather have Nimmo. See, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> that's that's great. Soler has 40 home runs, and a roto league, there'd be no contest. But in a points league, you want Nimmo, and right. I agree with you. Yes. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, he made a diving catch uh, yesterday, and I was like, you know, just Don't holding my breath because yeah. I was like, great, here comes another shattered wrist. He just came back from, from a long injury. Like, send him right back out. But thankfully, he survived that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a diff- it's different. It's a different game. The points league is a different game. It's 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 also it's, it's we're at the point now in terms of points leagues where you know pitchers you have to look at completely different because with the whole opener strategy, uh, these you know pitchers like Ryan Yarborough is a great example of a guy. You know, he's he's been winning so many games just because the Rays use that opener strategy. As long as wins are going to be a category. Uh, you have to take as the fact that just because he doesn't pitch in the first inning uh, most of the season, he's been getting a few starts here and there now, but that, that increases his value because he's not a starter because he doesn't have to pitch five to get the win. It's, it's, it's a weird type of uh, points league quirk that you have to look into here. Looking at the schedule now for Thursday, there is day action. It has already started. ESPN Plus tonight has Minnesota at Boston, Martin Perez, and Nate Avaldi. You do not want either one of them in a Roto League or a points league. I don't want to speak for you, but if if it's if it's the opposite age, just speak up. I don't think you want Nate Ovaldi <laughs> yeah, in his two and a half innings. Here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not he's not going five innings. He's not winning this game. Uh, Wade Miley, not a lot of strikeouts, but he's third in the American League in ERA. He faces a bad Seattle offense that's not getting Mitch Hanniger back. May not get Domingo Santana back. Wade Miley, winning games, good ERA, good WHIP, not a lot of strikeouts, can still help you in either format. Um, any other pitchers here? Colby Allard at Baltimore, somewhat intriguing to me, and going deeper into games, and moving on. Uh, Friday, and again, if you have anything, any pitchers you want to talk about, just speak up. Friday night, ESPN Plus has the Rockies at the Padres. Tim Melville, no interest. Denelson Lamette, a lot of interest. That's a strikeout guy. I know you're, uh, you're in on Lamette a little bit here. I see him in your rankings. Uh, strikeout guys matter. Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers at home against the Giants. We don't know how many more starts he'll make, but he's a Dodger. He's winning games. Uh, Michael Pineda at home against Cleveland. That's interesting to me. Cole Hamels versus Zach Davies. Either of those guys matter to you? Um, not really. I, it's especially uh, just given the mediocreness of, of just <laughs> everything around in their bullpen as well. I, I, I certainly can't trust uh, the Cubs bullpen to, to back uh, – that call up and you know it, that that that's a factor. It, it's a factor it, it, because you know if you don't get that win from the guy and he's he's not pitching deep into games, you have to, you have to factor that in. There's not many bullpens I trust, frankly. I mean, even the Dodgers, their their closer blows saves. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would say you know of the bullpens out there right now, I you know. Uh, Maybe maybe Detroit might be the most trustworthy. That's <laughs> <laughs> craziness. Um, and we already said Phillies Mets pitchers this weekend. You don't want Zach Eflin. You don't want Steven Matz. Um, Brendan McKay is pitching against Toronto, but I don't know how deep he's going into that game. So I would say avoid Brendan McKay. But we gave some other starters you should pick up here. Um, Saturday... Let's see. Ugh, Kershaw's pitching against Tyler Beatty. We were talking Tyler Beatty six weeks ago. We're not anymore. Um, Joey Lacazy at home against the Rockies. Rockies don't hit on the road, people. Lacazy can go deep into a game. I'd say that's a decent pickup there if he's available. Um, Julio Tehran versus Joe Ross. That's interesting. Interesting series this week. Uh, Washington at Atlanta. If Washington gets the first couple games of that series and closes the gap, they can still win that division, which is really interesting to me because. If Washington is in the wild card game, they got to win that game to get to the Dodgers. But if they win the division, and also, wouldn't you rather play the Dodgers in a five game series than a seven game series with all their depth? I'd say yes. So 
what does Washington really want here? That's something to watch, I guess. Um, I, I think they just they just they just want to be able to play Baby Shark as much as possible. That's pretty. Well, who wouldn't? Right? <laughs> who wouldn't? My wife's into Baby Shark too. So. Uh, Danny Duffy and Caleb Smith. This big Royals Miami series this weekend down in South Florida. That's going to be fun. But Caleb Smith against the Royals. Yeah, it's a, that's a relatively decent in, and well, well available pickup. Sure, and you want and you want to start Bassett and whoever Oakland trots out on Sunday against the Tigers. I mean, you're, you're playing matchups at this point in terms of uh, picking on the really right. really bad uh, teams. You know, unfortunately, the Astros are the ones against the Mariners. So you know, Verlander and Cole. I mean, it's not like you can stream them. They're they're already on rosters, so uh, yeah, obviously they're no brainers. Sean Manaya pitching on Sunday against Detroit. If he's available in your league, go get him. He looked great against the Yankees in his first outing of the season after shoulder problems. Um, Mitch Keller can't go in. No, 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 nothing to do with Mitch Keller right now until he proves himself. I thought he'd be good. Good prospect. Doesn't look good. Sandy Alcantara against the Royals. Okay. I could do that. And Ryan Yarbrough, we mentioned, he mentioned, uh, against Toronto. Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN has Masahiro Tanaka against Rick Porcello. Do not use these starters. Porcello is dead last in the major leagues in ERA. Nobody saw it coming to that degree. Okay. But yes. Now let's be fair. Let's be fair. He's dead last amongst qualifiers. Yes, there are which, guys with worse numbers. He's, he's, he has a job. Um, we and, may not know why, but well, they need somebody to start, and he signed um, Tanaka <laughs> yeah. in his last two outings against the Red Sox. Four innings. Is that eighteen earned runs? Is that right? That can't be right. Let me look uh, that. London was a beautiful thing, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, the London game he gave up like twelve, I think. <laughs> oh yeah. no, no, the London game. Was not the game he gave up twelve, right? Wasn't it the the other game? Was he gave up? No, the London game he didn't get out of the first inning. He gave up six. It was at Fenway where he gave up twelve in three and a third. So he's given up eighteen earned runs in the last four innings against the Red Sox. He's ugh, you don't want Masahiro Tanaka this weekend. <laughs> I think that's pretty safe to say. But watch the game anyway because ESPN's awesome, baseball's awesome, Jess Mendoza's awesome. You want to watch all of that. ESPN Plus a little bit earlier has Derek Rodriguez, who you don't want, at the Dodgers against Ross Stripling, who could be a big help to Roto and points leagues down the stretch. But we don't know that yet. He's not going deep enough in the games, I think, to help anybody at all. All right. That's it for the first half of our show. Up next, Myriad Hash Browns. All right. Troy plays that funky music, and here we go with some questions for AJ and me. Jones is first up, 12-team deep mixed league. Don't know if that's points or roto, but we can talk to both. Oh, my. Victor Reyes or Josh Rojas the rest of the way? And for people who don't know who they are, we will introduce them as well. Because this is a really deep league if you're talking Victor Reyes or Josh Rojas. Um, either of these guys on your radar at all in a points league? I mean, not really. I I suppose Reyes gets hey, a Rojas is the there. Arizona rookie, second baseman. Yeah, and Reyes is an outfielder for Detroit. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Detroit. Like, are they I don't score want any, any Tigers. Do you want any Tigers right now? No, no. I, I mean, uh, I, I could probably take the empty locker that Castellanos left behind and probably would get more points out of out of it. It's It's brutal. The problem with Reyes in a points league doesn't take any walks at all and also doesn't have any power. Rojas is a decent prospect, uh, a contact guy, doesn't strike out a lot, so I think he is better in a points league. And I'd say better in a roto. He had 12 homers, 19 steals, and batted 310 at AAA um, this season, so go after him first. But, uh, yeah, I'd go after him. And you don't want any Tigers. Um, yeah. Zach writes, which catcher can I stream for the rest of the season in my points league? 
So this is right up your alley. Catchers in a points league. Anyone of interest for you uh, that's maybe available? I mean, obviously, there's the obvious guys, and they're probably owned a, a rostered, I would say, at this point. But Zach Collins at the White Sox is going to play. Um, anyone that jumps out to you? No, but if, 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 if you're, like I said, most, most of the catchers the, who are or anything have already definitely been been snatched up. I mean, I was happy to get on, like, the Vasquez bandwagon before you know, they figured out there. Um, uh, Wilson Ramos is is a really good catcher, and he's getting hit despite the fact that, he's like, I think his 40 time is, like, uh, you know, 12-2. But uh, Rene Rivera, Mets, Mets got him back uh, to replace their uh, injured Thomas Nito. I like Rene Rivera a lot. I think he's a really good catcher, and what's great about him is that he just handles a staff very well, especially young pitchers, which is why I was happy to see him back. Um, he hits when he's in the lineup. He, he just does. So if you're looking for like a flyer, I mean, that's someone I would certainly go at. He's going to get some playing time. That's a daily league option there. I uh, Check out in your league to see if Travis Darno is available. I would take him over Jorge Alfaro, who never walks. Mitch Garver still available in half of ESPN Standard League. Still has the number one home run to at-bat ratio in all the majors. That's over Pete Alonso, over Aaron Judge, and Yelich and Bellinger. It's Mitch Garver, Minnesota's catcher. I, I like Garver. I like I think I like Garver a little bit more than Christian Vasquez. So uh, definitely, I agree. Uh, I, I would, yeah, Tom Murphy might be available in your league. Check him out as well. Williams Estadio, who never walks and really never strikes out, also might be available. Next up, Dan. Alex Bregman has been rolling. How high will each of you rank him for 2020? I think he was outside your top 10 for now. Yes, you have him at 13 today, but he can make your top 10 for next year. He will be at the back end of my top 10 in Roto. Where you got Bregman? What do you like? Um, I, I like him a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, part, part of the problem here is going to simply be how shortstop shakes out for me. Uh, I really like the shortstop situation, and it, it, it's a question of whether or not there's going to be there's going to be too much at the top of the shortstop, which is going to lower players like Turner and Lindor and and, and Story behind him uh, in the rankings. He might he might elevate just because I can't necessarily distinguish between those three, and so I'll, I'll you know clump them together maybe a little bit behind him, and he'll because of the third base can shoot up a little higher. Fair enough. Uh, next up, and Bregman should be in my top 10 for Roto. Um, shortstop, third yeah, base, steals bases. You know, yeah. Definitely top 15. Yeah. Good player. Very good player. Brett, oh, uh, who is your favorite bounce back player for 2020? Bounce back players for 2020. So in a general sense, it's someone who like was a top 30 or 50 pick this season. Cause like Jorge Soler wasn't a bounce back candidate. Going into this season, like we weren't even thinking about him. It's got to be somebody, I think, by the definition of the question, who we ranked well this year, did not have a good year for whatever reason, and they'll bounce back. Like Jose Ramirez would have been that guy. John Carlos Stanton, who was, I think, a top 20 pick in a lot of leagues um, and had barely played this year. Corey Kluber, for me, would be a bounce back guy. Anybody jump out to you? Um, you know, I think Manny Machado. I think Manny Machado, I, I, I had a fear that he would take this year off mentally, at least at the start. And, and I think uh, that played out. I think maybe, uh, you know, he didn't do as well this year as perhaps he would have liked, uh, given the uh, the big contract. I think maybe he comes back with a vengeance next year and might be more worthy of where we ranked him this year going into it. Fair enough. Um, I, don't, I don't think Machado will make my top 20 next year. I think he'll probably be like round three or four. I don't think he's ever going to steal bases again. That's part of the issue. Um, I think I would take Harper 
over Machado. What do you what do you make of Harper? We talked about Harper quite a bit on this show recently. He's going to end up with like 35 homers, 120 RBI, maybe 12 steals. It's not a bad year at all. Uh, yeah, quite a disappointment, right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know the the only thing the only thing I will say with, with Harper is that he he's swinging the bat a lot more reckless, recklessly, and maybe that's just try again. It's, it's a mental state when you join a new team. Maybe he was trying to do too much early on. Um, if he can get the walk totals back up to where they were uh, over the last few healthy seasons, I, I think then he's you know the sky's the limit for him. He, I mean, he's still only twenty six people. He's still only twenty six. I don't think people realize he's easily on a Hall of Fame track. Okay, he's accomplished a lot already by a young age. And with the walks, I think Reese Hoskins is going to lead the. Yes, Reese Hoskins is sec is leading the National League in walks. Harper is sixth overall in baseball in walks, taking a ton of walks. Now it's a lot of strikeouts. All right, I'll grant that. I haven't enjoyed that. In fact, Harper is fourth in the majors in strikeouts behind Acuna, who you docked a little bit in points leagues. Eugenio Suarez who hasn't played all week, and Domingo Santana. Harper is next, but Javier Baez yeah. is fifth in strikeouts. We all love him, so you know. Yeah, but Harper Harper had 130 walks last year. He's not, I don't think he's going to hit that. No, no, that no, number. he's not going to get to that. But but you know, I, I think if he can, if he can get it back up next year to where he's in that neighborhood, like 120, 130 in the walks, and just lowers his strikeouts by even just you know 10 or, or 15 in points leagues, he's, he's a no brainer, no brainer to be a first rounder if he does that. Uh, Tom, I'm running low on game starts cap. Please, everybody, look at your league. So many people get to September and don't realize there's a game starts cap for the season. Um, they just don't <laughs> read their rules. Uh, Tom asks, who are some middle relievers that can eat up enough innings to help make a little dent in my ratios? So we're looking at relievers here that may not get saves. Let's assume that the, the closers are rostered in the smart leagues, all right, at this point. Nick Anderson of Tampa Bay with a ton of strikeouts, uh, not giving up anything for them. He's a valuable guy. Uh, Manuel Clase of Texas is doing well. Um, that Padres setup guy, Muno, Andres Munoz. These guys jump to mind as uh, non-starters that can help you. Anybody jump to mind for you? Well, and also, I mean, definitely look at these teams that are using the opener because if the opener is in there for an inning, but you know that there's, there's a guy coming behind him, uh, like Tampa Bay has been doing with Yarborough, where he's going to still pitch four innings for you. That's, that's that's probably a much better option than someone who you're iffy about who's going to definitely, you know, only give you one or two. I mean, Ryan Stanek is a guy I like. Uh, certainly there. Uh, you're your guy Lorenzen, right? <laughs> I, I am amazed by Michael Lorenzen. I, I, and I wrote that today in the blog. I, I just, he homered last night. He won the game. He, now, he would, if you give him 400 plate appearances, he's not going to bat 300 with power. Okay, I mean, he'd be exposed. But it's fun to watch a, a versatile player be able to do this. I think Tampa Bay would love Brandon McKay to be a starter who could also play left field like twice a month. You know, that'd be fun for them. More versatile. Right. And at least with the, and at least in, the, in those instances, you know, if McKay becomes like the next kind of o- Otani light, at least we'll probably, I would assume the fantasy game would allow you to use him in either capacity. It's not necessarily going to be the case for a guy like Lorenzen. Um, which is a shame. I, I think the game should evolve at some point where we, we just say, you know what, all these stats count for everybody no matter what they do because uh, I, I would love to see a league where all pitchers' batting stats count and just see how that impacts where people are drafted and, and how you use them because it, it just would be fascinating to me. 
All right, and our final question looks like Isaac writing in. Can you guys talk about Eloy Jimenez? Is he good for the rest of the year, next year, and beyond? People are going to view Eloy as, as being a disappointment this year because, man, 255 batting average, low on base. That walk-to-K ratio is awful. I don't think he's someone you like in a points league. I think in a rotor league he has a future. He's the future 35 home run guy. How do you view Eloy this year as a disappointment? Um, actually, no. I actually don't think it's a disappointment. I think he's he's gotten unlucky more than anything else. I mean, uh, was he the guy who hit the ball to Mercado yesterday? Yes, and that would have been like a three-run double, right? Uh, imagine what your, our conversation would be today on Eloy. It was like, hey, he just had a three-RBI uh, game-winning hit. Like, yeah, yeah it, 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 it really is amazing sometimes how one play can just totally change the narrative. The, of a player. Yeah, the narrative changes. Yeah. It's amazing. I like him. I like him a lot. I like. I like. I have him in my top 100 hitters in my last rankings for the rest of the season. Obviously, it's it's not where he's going to be next season when we start things. But I really do think there's a future here. If he gets the right lineup around him and somehow everything starts to gel there, I think he can definitely surge up the rankings. And people have to remember for future rankings, and I think you'd agree, we're projecting ahead. We're looking what they've accomplished already, but we're projecting ahead in that like. You can make the case for Eloy Jimenez over like Jordan Alvarez next year. I I won't rank it that way right now. Alvarez to me would be like fourth round pick, whereas Jimenez maybe seventh or eighth. But just because Alvarez was awesome this year in a small sample and Eloy was not as special as we thought, doesn't mean they're going to do the same thing next year. So right, I mean Jordan Alvarez we talked about a lot on this show. He has to be a guy you like as well. I mean batting average, power, takes a walk, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's like you said, it, it is just the rest of this year and the situations are going to change a, a lot, uh, certainly going forward. Like, for example, like Nico Goodrum is a, is a guy who, when Castellanos moved, like I, I put a huge surge up my rankings just because I really liked the guy and I think he was then the best player left in his lineup. Uh, it, and, and, you know, major league teams, even the bad ones, do tend to score runs. Maybe not as many as, as others, but, you know, there's going to be some stats there. And I thought he would just get the highest percentage of it. Now, you know, an offseason, you make one or two signings, and suddenly, you know, you can see a player move 50 spots just because of opportunity and, and what's around them. By the way, ESPN's Keith Law lent some great insight on the Baseball Tonight podcast earlier today about Gavin Lux and how he'll help the Dodgers down the stretch. You can find that show. Hosted by Buster Olney, wherever you get your podcast. We are done for today. Thank you so much to AJ Mass. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And best of luck to you. Not only the rest of this baseball season, but there's this other game called football. I, I think that starts today. So <laughs> good luck in your football <laughs> season as well. Thanks, as always, to our editorial watchdog, Tom Carpenter, and our producer, Troy Farkas. I think we'll be back on Monday. So please, everybody, have an awesome weekend. Everything is awesome. That's nice.